Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 84, Battle Against the Chaos. Hey everybody, welcome back, uh, welcome back to Me Too, and welcome back to Chris Hansen. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great, Albert. Thanks for having me on the show again. All right, uh, it's great to have you. Since uh, the usurper Julius tried to take over, we ha- we had to get him out, and now we got Chris this week. <laughs> yeah, get to guest host <laughs> with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, actually, Julius is is real busy right now, still with his with his uh, studying for his exam. So so he's off this week, but. We should be back to normal starting the next episode in a few weeks. He will be on briefly to talk about the Genkant solo con, um, because I really don't know what's going on with that. That sounds really cool. So we'll have that. Uh, how have you been? Been doing good. It's been a, a busy week, but got a few games in this week, so that's good. And and you're going to be talking about uh, some stuff you've been playtesting, and we're going to be talking about Frontline D-Day today. Yeah, yeah we've got Frontline D-Day coming up. Um Invaders from Dimension X. Uh, I just got Lord of the Dead in the mail. I haven't got it up on the table yet, but looking forward to playing that solitaire soon too. So, a lot of things going on. Okay, you backed that one also. I did. Yeah, I couldn't resist the, you know, the eight or nine dollars, whatever it was. It was a pretty good deal for a game. That's right. Yeah, at that price, it was just hard to resist. I, honestly, I don't know how soon I'll get to it if ever, but I'm glad I backed it anyway. It was fun to be part of that campaign because it was very well run, very interesting too. Yeah, I, I I like that the Kickstarter updates for it. I think they're I get the emails for them, and I think I have like sixty. They're on like number sixty now. It's it's a very uh, well managed campaign, and he he keeps in good communication. With it, so I, I like that. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's see. Um, let's go ahead and start with the news. I've got a few items. Um, first up, Dungeon Crawler the the solo. Well, I guess it's not a collectible card game. It's not a living card game because that term is owned by Fantasy Flight Games. But it's basically like a CCG. right? And that is coming back to Kickstarter. There's a new expansion coming out for that. It's it's not there yet, but keep an eye out for it. That is, It's a really fun game. I've I played it and I really enjoyed it a lot. Did, did you ever get to play that game? Uh, no, I don't have that one. I've never played it. Okay. Okay. It... You know, in a way, it's similar to, to the Lord of the Rings uh, deck-building game. Or, not like deck-building game. I don't have that word in my mind today. It's sort of like the, the, the Lord of the Rings LCG. Yeah, the living card game, yeah. Yep. The But the the difference is this game doesn't have any randomness like the LCG. That always frustrates me in the LCG where you get ready to fight, and then you draw some cards to figure out how tough the enemies are, and that totally messes your plans. Which, you know, is good in one hand, but on the other hand, it, it can be frustrating. Yeah, you never know quite what you're facing, yeah. but you're not able to prepare for anything either. Yep, that's right. And in this game, in Dungeon Crawler, because that randomness isn't there, it's uh, you spend a lot more time thinking about your choices because you have a lot more control about what's going to happen. So that's neat. Um, so once it is on Kickstarter, I'll let you know. And Jay, the, the designer of the game, has been posting on the One Player Guild, so he'll probably include it there too. Um, next up, Police Precinct is on Kickstarter, and it's only gonna it's gonna end in three days. Now, I do have an interview with uh, Carl Fenner of Common Man Games about that. I uh, recorded a week ago, so hopefully you get to hear this in time to back the game if you want it. This is a game that's been out for a few years now, actually, and this is the the third printing of the game. The, this, I believe, the second printing of the second edition. Um, I have I have three things for GMT games. First up, designer Kirk 
Keckley has made a full-featured solo variant for Fields of Despair. Now, Fields of Despair is a, a block war game, and it's not out yet. It's on the P500. But this is pretty cool because block war games tend to be hard thing to solo. Um, if you're not familiar with those, it's it's sort of like Stratego, where you, where you have your pieces standing upright, and your opponent cannot see what you have, and you can't see what he has. But because they're square blocks, you could rotate them and change the strength and things like that. So it's, it's more more complicated in Stratego, but that kind of idea. The only game I've ever played solo uh, that was a block game was Wizard Kings by um, by Columbia Games. It, it it comes with a few solitaire scenarios, and they're kind of essentially zombies. You know, it's a very programmed movement. Like the the skeleton army just moves closer to you. Um, but but the blocks are facing away from you, so you can't if, unless you can remember what they are that's revealed to you and you fight it. But it's not a very intelligent player, so I'm really curious to see how GMT handles solitaire block games. That could be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now he's mentioned. Uh, now he has an article. Uh, I said Kurt Keckley. It's on GMT's Inside GMT Web Magazine. So I think he he describes it there. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I think he explains how it works. So yeah, I, I've played that that uh, Wizard King scenario also, and, and I had I liked it. I've had fun with, it, but I've never been able to beat it. I, I do not know why, and I haven't played with the the uh, undead blocks facing away from me. I've seen what they are. It's not a bad game. It's a mm-hmm. I haven't played it in a while, but it, it it did have a few solitaire scenarios. I think. Yep. Yep. Okay, and the second GMT item. Uh, Invierno Cubano is an expansion for Cuba Libra has been announced and is now on the P500. This basically covers the period after Cuba Libre in which um, Castro's army basically won the game and now they have to consolidate the power and, and basically get control of the country. And this expansion, I imagine it doesn't have a board because it's using the same board. But it, but it will have new cards and and I think new opponents. And the third item is also a coin game. It's a seventh item, the seventh title on the coin series, which is Colonial Twilight, and this is about the uh, the French Algerian War of nineteen fifty four to nineteen sixty two. And that's also on P five hundred right now. That'll be an interesting topic for the coin series. Yep, I am amazed how fast the coin series is growing. Yeah, it, they're the games are coming out so fast. It must it must be a good seller for them because they keep uh, producing new ones. Yeah, and, and there's no end in sight to how many different topics they could cover. I bet mm-hmm. a lot like the uh, States of Siege games by yeah. Victory Point. Yeah, I think uh, I, I read somewhere they've got several uh, in development right now, and always do because. You, you can fit a lot of battles into that mechanic. Mm, yep. All right. Um, my third item, because I'm counting all that GMT stuff as a second item. Um, it's not about a. It's actually about a digital game. the The game Steam by uh, Martin Wallace, published by Memory Fair Games, is coming to iOS and Android. And there's currently a call for beta testers. I was really excited to see this because I've been wanting to play this game and pulling it out and showing it to my wife for the last few weeks, even though I know she won't play it. And, and then, you know, taking it out and putting all the boards and showing all that. And I did that one night, and the next morning I got an email, or actually I subscribed to the Steam forums, and it said, hey, there's beta testing. And, and the pictures look good. The game looks really good, too. So, awesome. Mm-hmm. 
Now, actually, I'm not really sure that it supports solitaire play. I'm just assuming it does. We'll go with that. Um, I, can't, I can't remember if the does the board game support solitaire play. Not out of the box. There, there are a couple official solitaire boards, and there's a some solo rules, a, a variant created by um, Game Rules for One. Okay. Okay, nice. Yeah, he does some good stuff. Yeah, and I covered that one in a previous show, and it's really good. It's very detailed, and it does give you a, a full game feel. And it's nice because you could use it with any uh, any of the maps, or pretty or most of them. I, I don't know that they're all going to work. Okay. the The next item the for the Genkant Solo Con, which Julius is going to come and talk about. There is a hostage negotiator challenge for those of you that have hostage negotiator. AJ has a, a challenge to save 1,000 hostages across everybody. So so go play the game over in the hostage negotiator forums. There's a thread for this. Post how many people you've saved in the games, even if you lost, and, and play as many games as you can. We're trying to get 1,000 a, a hostages saved. Yeah, I've seen several posts where people have managed to save two hostages and then everyone else, uh, you know, didn't didn't get out. Um, but those two add up to the total. So I, I forget what they're up to now, but there's been... I think 50, 50 games played so far, and it's okay. still early. Yeah, I think the last time I checked, it was around 200. I imagine it must be about 250 by now, at least. So it's a quarter of the way there, at least a fifth of the way there, which is amazing. And I'm not sure when it ends. I think I think it ends with Gen Con this weekend coming up. Yeah, I think it's it's associated with the Gen Cant. The game Nations has an expansion coming out called Nations Dynasties. This this adds a turmoil and natural wonders to the games to the game, but uh, hopefully it will be available for Essen, and it will not come in a box because the the box for the base game is so big and and so full of air they could just fit everything in there. So hopefully that'll keep the cost down. I, and I appreciate when people uh, are respectful of shelf space as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, the base game really has a huge amount of empty space. Uh, I'm surprised how big it was. So I do appreciate that it did it this time. Mm-hmm. You know, I avoided getting that game for the longest time because of the size. Yeah, I it's, think some, it's, it, it's something mm-hmm. that you think about when you start getting a lot of games. You're like, man, this is... <laughs> yeah. But especially if there's a lot of air in the box, it can be really frustrating. That's right. I think the only game I have that's bigger than this is Ogre. Yeah, and Ogre is a massive box. You have, the, del- you have the deluxe edition, right? Yep. Okay. The, the one that says you have to team lift. <laughs> <laughs> It's got, a, it's got a picture on the side right after the player count and the playtime. It says team lift. <laughs> nice. Um, and my final item of news, I just saw this today. Uh, Geekdad.com has a, a new series, which you might know about this. It's starting with a chat with Chris Hansen about the PMP contest. Yeah, I heard about this. It was uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. His first post was an interview with me about the solitaire contest. Um, looking for a few recommendations, and uh, we talked a little bit about playing solitaire games with children, um, since that's the focus of the website is gaming with your children, um, or well, doing doing geeky things with your children. Uh, so we talked about playing solitaire games with your children, and. Uh, uh, which was kind of a, an interesting take, but I, I think both of us agreed that when you have young children in the house, sometimes it's hard to get together your group of six friends to play a, some three-hour war game, so you end up playing solitaire games a lot more. I think that drives some people to the hobby. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with that a lot. Um, 
And so now you have started a, a discussion for a new contest, as a matter of fact. Is that related to this? Uh, this has come up in the past. I, I've had people talk to me. Um, you know, it, this goes back two or three years. People have pinged me here and there. You know, I just get a, a geek mail. Uh, it's happened two or three times that people have said, have you ever thought about running a game design contest for children? Um, and that interview with Geek Dad kind of brought those, you know, got me thinking about it again. Uh, so after the solitaire contest is done, I am planning on starting another design contest, uh, which is for games for very young children, because I'm definitely unimpressed with a lot of the stuff you can buy in the store. I mean, I, I play a lot of Candyland and things like that, and they're, you know, they're not great games. It's just roll and move type things. So, um, the, the challenge is to design a game for, you know, a five year old or six year old. Uh, so it's got to have simple rules, but have a little bit more game to it than, you know, than what you'd find in Hi Ho Cherio or something like that. Mm hmm. Yep. You know, it's funny though, my kids, well, not as much anymore, but I'd say even when, when they were five or so, you know, we had all sorts of games to play that have a lot of strategy or, or fun games for different reasons, but they would turn to these really simple games like Candyland or High Hole Cherio, which always surprised me because I didn't think they were that good, but they seemed to like the theme. I don't know, and maybe the gameplay. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, well, and- uh, the the 18-card uh, the design challenge last year, uh, there was a game called Mithril Rock, uh, which is not a solitaire game, so I don't know if you've played it. It's, it's a dexterity game where you're basically <laughs> throwing cards and kind of like golf. You're trying to get your subsequent cards closest to the first card. My daughter loved it. You know, it's really simple rules. There's no reading involved. Uh, so that's the kind of thing I'm thinking of where... It's it's fun for the parents, it's fun for the kids, and something you can do together. Okay, that sounds cool. Um, and so, so how is your contest, your your print and play contest, going? It's wrapping up. It's we're coming up to the end. The entry deadline is uh, the first Monday in August, so August third. Um, I think it ends Sunday night at midnight. Uh, so I guess actually August 2nd, probably at 11.59 p.m. Um, so we've got a few days left. Uh, there's about a week left, and I know there's a lot of designers that are working really quickly uh, to finish up their games. I think we have 35 entries right now that are playable. Wow. I would ex- I would expect uh, probably 10 more. And, and by playable, I mean they have components ready. You can go download it. You can play it right now. There's about 50 entries. Uh, I, I don't expect that all of those are going to complete in time. We always have a few that drop out every year, uh, myself included, because I just ran out of time. But mm-hmm. uh, I would expect there's going to be about 40 games or so, maybe a little more, uh, that are entered into the contest this year. And the thing that always amazes me with this contest, as we've talked about before, is just every year it feels like the quality gets better and better. Um, there's some... There's some games in here that feel like they should be in the store on the shelf next to Friday. Wow, okay. Uh, just, just, just very, very good things. That's exciting. That's exciting. And so the next next phase is now the trying out the games and then yep. voting. Yeah, I do. Uh, because there's usually so many, uh, it's hard to play 40 games uh, in any amount of time, really. <laughs> but I, I put a six-week playing period before we put up the voting 
Uh, so you've got about a month and a half to play as many of the games as you can or the ones that look interesting to you. But um, you know, even if you're not into print-and-play games, I hope people come and take a look at the contest because there's a lot of games that you don't even have to cut anything out. You just print a board and... Um, you know, it's got all the rules. It's you know maybe a paper pencil game or or something like that. But uh, there's definitely games that are easier to make than you know having to cut out a bunch of cards and counters and stuff. Yeah, some of those games. It sounds like saying making it is is making it sound way more complicated than it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the coin series. We actually have a game entered this year uh, based on the coin series. Um, I think is really cool. Uh, wow. pe- people are getting more, um, you know, inspired by some of these very popular games. Uh, it is it's called Hind Swaraj, and I'm probably massacring that, but it's by <laughs> Bruce Mansfield, who did um, oh, Air. You've covered it on the show before. It was uh, Raider 16 Atlantis. Oh, okay. Wow, okay. So he this is a GMT coin series, and I've looked at his graphics. He hasn't released it for download yet, uh, but the pictures he's released, this looks like a professional product. It's just amazing. <laughs> so wow, okay. We'll have to see I if think. when this contest is done, GMT picks it up or something, because it, uh, it looks that awesome. That's fantastic. I... <laughs> <laughs> That'll be my house next. <laughs> I think the dog got something like somebody's dinner. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. <laughs> what, what I like about that kind of thing is if you haven't tried the coin series, um, if you don't mind doing the print and play work, you can try out a game, uh, you know, inspired by those mechanics. And that's going to give you a lot of the flavor of it uh, for free through the print and play model. So that's, that's a pretty cool way to see if you like the series and want to explore the other games. Yeah, that's right. That's a great idea. I could save you a, a lot of money. Yeah, those coin games—they come with a ton of components, and so they're not—they're uh, not the cheapest things that GMT offers for sure. Yeah, that's right. They're, they're big boxes, and they're full—tons of cards, wooden counters of all shapes and sizes, and board yeah, mounted I, boards now. And I think they're a good value for what you get, but if you're mm-hmm. uns- if you're unsure about it, it's still kind of a hefty investment. So this could be a good way to try it out. Yeah. All right. Do you have any other news? I don't have any other news, I don't think, uh, other than if you've got an entry in the contest, hurry up and get it done because the deadline's coming. That's right. I better get started. (laughs) (laughs) I'm embarrassed that I didn't get my entry done. So there's no judgment if you you have to withdraw a game for lack of time. (laughs) I'm going to enter and withdraw just so I can say I I participated. Um, and I did have actually one more question about the contest. You said there's six weeks now before the voting starts. How long is the voting period? Uh, voting period is about a week usually. I've got the dates here. Uh, the, so the voting ends on September 13th. And okay. to, I think the that playing period and voting period uh, is the same. It's six weeks, but I put I don't put the voting page up until about the last week. Ah, uh, I see. Uh, okay. And I every single year I have people asking me like day one, can I come in and vote? I'm like, no, go play some games. <laughs> go play first. <laughs> I'm sure you've got your favorite, and that's awesome. But try some other games too. <laughs> <laughs> wow! And how do you do the voting? It's not on PGG, is it? Uh, no, it's a it's a Google form. Uh, what I 
what I wanted to avoid on BGG is the voting polls that they have. Once you voted, you can see the results. And I don't like that, uh, just from the sense that you would come and look and say, oh, wow, um, you know, this game XYZ is really popular. I'll go ahead and vote for that. Or I'm going to vote against it because I, I don't want it to be so popular. Like, I like having the results be completely unknown until the, the voting is done because I think it can influence people uh, when they see what the results are, you know, yeah. live as it's going. And, and it's not as fun, I think. I think it's more exciting to to find out at the end. Yeah, I kind of like doing the big reveal. I, I always have fun writing mm-hmm. that post of like, and the winner is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and this year, to be honest, um, I I don't know what to tell you for who the... I've played so many games that I like so much, and there's other games. Uh, Agent Decker, for example, seems to be really popular, and I haven't got a chance to play it yet. Um, but you know, it's getting a lot of feedback, and a lot of people are playing it. So there, there's a lot of high quality games this year, and I I can't tell you right now who I think is going to win because it's, it's too close to call for in my mind. Oh, that's great. Well, next up in the show is usually our Kickstarter segment where where we go over the all the Kickstarter games that are out now that support Solitaire that we know about. Now, really, Julius is the person that follows Kickstarter. I don't know about many. I, I do know about Police Precinct, so I talked to Carl Fenner, the designer of the game. Not the designer, I'm sorry. The publisher of the game. Um, so he could tell us a little bit more about it. So we're going to play that next. This was recorded about a week ago. All right, I am talking to Carl Fenner today. He is the publisher of Police Precinct and the owner of Common Man Games. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, th- thanks a lot for coming on. This is a this is a little bit some, something a little bit new. It's a mini segment, a mini interview, and I want to talk to you today about the game you've got on Kickstarter, which is Police Precinct. This is actually like the third printing of the game, which is I think it's a third, which is pretty exciting. Um, so I want to get a little bit of information from you, so the listeners could figure out if this is something they they'd like to look into more. All right, excellent. Thanks. So, so can you tell us what this game is about? Yeah, sure. It's a cooperative game, though it has the traitor element built into it as well. So, folks who like uh, Battlestar Galactica and games like that, uh, I would think would really like Police Precinct. So, we don't call them traitors or Cylons; we call them dirty cops. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and and uh, some people play with the dirty cop uh and some play pure co-op and some mix it up um the designer of the game is a big bsg fan Oli steinus um so that was a really important part of the game for him and uh i'm i'm sort of more preferred towards uh playing pure co-op so uh, we kind of leave him in charge of making sure that uh, the dirty cop part of the game stays uh really great sometimes i'll come to him with ideas like hey we should do this and he'll say whoa hang on a second i don't think that's going to fly really well with the dirty cop component of the game so you know he's kind of you know in charge of making sure that that stays really true to the the great thing that it is and then um you know i really i just love pure co-op so i uh i kind of i focus more on that in a sense and uh we work well together in that regard and in many regards. 
Very cool. Okay. And so this game, I, I haven't played it myself yet, but I've seen it. I've seen pictures of it, and it looks like you're playing on, on the map of a city. Yeah, you're playing on the map of a city, and you have a character. So everyone's gathered around the board, uh, assuming it's not being played solo, but everyone's gathered around the board. Everyone has their own character. Everyone has their own vehicle that corresponds with their character. And on your turn, you do a series of simple things. You move, so you move your vehicle, um, and you, there's restrictions on how far you can move and things like that. You go to a certain location, and you take an action. And the action can be any number of things, so arrest, uh, handle an emergency, uh, investigate. Uh, basically, you're trying to solve uh, a murder, get enough evidence stacked up against uh, the individual perpetrator, and then um, capture. That That's the overriding uh, goal. And while that's happening, you are trying to not... Uh, sort of sink into uh, the depths of the crime that's happening all over the city at that time. So um, you're, you're fighting against time because you don't want the, the perpetrator to get away. So there is a time track element to the game. And then you're also fighting crime. So you're fighting crime and time. The crime fighting part is every time you sort of screw up in a sense, the crime track moves. And if it moves enough times, then you fail. So uh, those are the two primary ways to fail uh, based on crime or time. Okay. And so these crimes you're fighting, are these things like uh, bank robberies and major heists, or is it more petty things like somebody stole my dog and that kind of stuff? (laughs) Uh, It's kind of a mix. You know, um, there's a drunk at the bar being disorderly, or there's a a bank robber, uh, you know, bank robbery happening. So it varies in traffic accidents and different things like that. So um, we we get a, a lot of compliments from real cops who say, that it simulates really nicely what it's like to be a real cop. And it's not all about, you know, certain glamorous things. It's about um, managing all the stuff that you have to do. And uh, so so that's, that's a big part of it. By the way, we also, the game is also used to train real cops. And we have oh, wow. real cops for consultants in the game and things that we have quite a few um, real cops that help us with the game. In fact, I'm working right now on a, another new character, which is coming out through this Kickstarter of a guy who actually, he's a real cop. He worked in internal affairs and we're going to have him be all about certain special powers dealing with the dirty cop component of the game. And it's, a, it's the only character that we're going to come out with uh, at least thus far uh, where we, we want it only used in a game where you're, playing with a dirty cop so it's going to be a really unique thing so people are into that nice okay so so now can you tell me more about the the kickstarter campaign that's going on i, I think i guess you're kind of starting into that a little bit um what this kickstarter is for a second edition of game so what's new with the second edition yep so you know we kickstarted the first edition way back in the old days of kickstarter back in 2012 and uh, got that game out, and then um, we we really wanted to make some changes to the game, mostly graphically speaking. Um, and so we came, we did a Kickstarter for, and we also did a Kickstarter for the Heat, which was a, a really important expansion to the game. So that was sort of our second Kickstarter, and the third Kickstarter was f- actually for the second edition. So this Kickstarter is actually turning back to the first edition folks, and it's kind of all about making sure that they're taken care of. 
So a lot of them have been watching while we made the second edition, and we've been very transparent um, in, the, in what we've been up to and the development of the board and the cards and, and all sorts of things. And they've been saying, hey, you know, this looks so awesome. We want this. And, you know, you guys should do a Kickstarter for, you know, like an upgrade kit. So enough people said that, that we finally decided, you know what, that's something we really want to do because we don't want to leave them behind. And uh, that's something uh, a lot of gamers feel like publishers do that. We don't want to be that. So um, that's what this Kickstarter is primarily about. But also, you know, people have discovered the game along the way over the years, and it's been super hard to find. So we're also saying to them, hey, if you are aware of Police Precinct and you want this game, here is a Kickstarter where, you know, new so new fans can get the game. So it's, a, it's both about letting the new fans sort of ensure of getting a copy, uh, as well as the old, old fans from the first edition being able to get in on, on that. So it's an upgrade kit for first edition folks. And then we also are uh, um, making available the second edition itself, which, by the way, is also of interest to the first edition people, because there's a lot of first edition people who are not only saying, hey, I wish I had the board and a few other things, but they're literally saying, you know, I really just want the whole thing. I, I'll be unhappy if I don't have everything. So they're getting everything. So we've got you know ways that the first edition folks can pick up the second edition and some things that they maybe uh, were missing along the line, and um, and that that's great. And then you know they can just sell their first edition copy. So that's not a bad way to go either. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. That's very cool. And um, so what else should people know about the Kickstarter campaign? Is is there anything else worth mentioning? Yeah, sure. Uh, it ends in, at the end of this month. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the last day of this month is the is a Friday. Uh, I believe it ends on the J- July 31st, uh, Friday, about uh, something like 2, 2 p.m. or yeah, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I think is when it ends. But yeah. So uh, you've got till the end of the month, basically, to jump on this if you want. Um, and we're going to you know, try to deliver this as quickly as possible. But um, you know, we want to make sure we do it right. We're working really closely with the factory to, to make sure it's just an awesome production. Um, but yeah, oh, I was going to say one more thing, but it, it sort of relates to today. Uh, I don't think this is going to air today, right? So I won't. Probably not for a week. <laughs> I probably won't get into that. Sorry. Okay, no problem. Um, and so this project is just for the upgrade kit, so I imagine you don't really have it full of uh, um, stretch goals and that sort of thing, really. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a big thing with stretch goals. We're on our seventh stretch goal already. Oh, wow. um, yeah, I mean, we see Kickstarter as a really important part of ex- sort of ex- ex- little mini explosions of creativity to happen during these things. So uh, it's a great way. We've got a, a, an audience that's really engaged and interested in the process. And we, I don't know if you could, you know, compare us to other publishers, at, you know, in terms of the level that we like to engage with the fans of the game. And I feel like it's, we've heard many times that it's very high, meaning that we really like to get involved with um, fans of the game involve them. And we've got a number of like, there's a guy who's actually who designed an expansion for the game that has come out during this Kickstarter. So for example, there's a, 
an entire expansion for police precinct that has that is just a stretch goal from this campaign along with new characters and a lot of other cool stuff yeah so this is a it's a co-op game with a with a trader kind of element in it but the, this show is really about solitaire play so can you, can you tell me more about the solitaire game again you do you just take out the trader yep well of course you take out the trader no question um by the way, we are trying to come up with a two-person game, a version of the of the game that involves the dirty cop. Um, but that's a whole other subject. At some point, that we expect to have that, but that could be a ways off. But in terms of solitaire play, um, basically, you would sit down and set up uh, two characters and play them uh, alternating. So, uh, you know, you take the turn of one character and then you take the turn of the next, etc. And they, they, would, they would act as independently as if you were playing a two-person game. Gotcha. Okay. Do, you, do you ever play with three characters also or do you prefer two? You know, um, I, probably the most common way that I play Police Precinct is a four-person game solo. So it's not that we, you know, particularly say in the rules that's how you play solo but it's how I, it's how I play uh, most co- commonly. So when I'm testing something out, I like, to, and I'm not saying that I don't play three-person games and five-person games and things like that, or even a six-person game. It plays one to six. In fact, we're looking at one of the stretch goals of this campaign is we might come out with a sort of an eight-person, um, you know, sort of expansion where you can play eight people. Wow. Um, but anyway, the um, the. You can you can totally play a four person game or a three person game, but the way you know the way we officially recommend it is you set up two characters and play. And in a two person game, you're allowed to use a support vehicle. So what that means is you throw a third vehicle out there, and it's not associated with a particular character. It's sort of just a generic, um, you know, another cop out there on the street. So when you have a situation that you need to deal with you can call that character in to help. And when you get someone helping you or uh, providing backup support, then you can do things like roll one more die when you're handling an emergency or roll one more die when you're handling um, an arrest. And it also lets you draw one more card when you're doing an investigation, um, that kind of thing. Okay. Now you mentioned vehicles. The, I want to hear more about that. I've seen pictures of the game where people have car, actual little diecast cars on the map. I don't know if they're Hot Wheel size or something else, but that looks really cool. Yeah, you know that's that's a really fun thing. The law enforcement theme is just so rich uh, with this, so many things that you can do with it. Um, so I have, don't tell my son, but I stole his, uh, police oriented Hot Wheels. <laughs> and, uh, no, I mean, he, he knows that I, yeah. that I have them, but I'm, I like to joke about that. Yeah. But, um, I, when I go to a conventions, I, I always bring all sorts of fun stuff, uh, you know, like the, the Hot Wheels and, and I didn't start that whole movement. It was started by fans of the game. But uh, I just couldn't resist. So when I go to cons, you know, I always bring all the fun extra bling for the game. And that, if you look on Board Game Geek, you can find quite a number of threads that are all just all about, hey, how did you bling out your police precinct? And guy, you know, people get their own mini donuts and their own, <laughs> you know, uh, little miniatures for the punks and the patrol officers and Hot Wheels and stuff like that for the vehicles and. You know, there's a stolen car in the game, and then there's a, a 
a van that you need to escort and different things. So there's quite a collection of cars you can end up with um, if you if you like to do that sort of thing. Nice. Yeah, I'm always at the store and I'll see a Hot Wheel and I think, boy, I really want to get that. Maybe I'll get it for my son. <laughs> you know, <laughs> now I don't have to buy it for him. <laughs> there's not that many games where you can drive a car around. You know, on a city map like this, and for example, when uh, if you watch Tom Vassell's review of the game, he uh, he gets really excited about you know just the being able to not just be a character, but just the this feeling of moving around, moving your car around on the board, and uh, you know he compared it to a video game. He said you know this the game feels you really feel immersed in it, and it it feels like you're really driving your car around the the city and handling things. Yeah, that that's that's like playing a miniatures game. I was playing X Wing with my son last night. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a blast moving the ships around and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, and anytime you could have vehicles of any kind, that's great. <laughs> yep. Right. Um. So you've got a couple expansions for this game already. Um. Are these going to be available through the Kickstarter, or is this also just for the base game plus the stretch rewards, like the the existing well, first edition expansions? That's a good question. So there's a, sort of a variety of ways you can back uh, the Kickstarter. One of which is to just get, literally just get the game. And then another way is that you can get um, the game plus stretch goals. Another way you can get the game is uh, the game plus all the cool extra stuff, expansions and whatnot. And that's the most popular, um, you know, I've noticed where the most backers are, it's at, at that particular level. Do you have any, any more plans for future expansions? Oh, yeah. I mean, I... I you just wouldn't believe the, the level of <laughs> ideas that we have. And, and uh, for example, in January, we're planning to do another Kickstarter. It's called Season 3. Sorry, it's called Season 2. And uh, so we see the game, the base game, as the pilot, and we're treating this uh, game like it's a TV show or a TV, oh, very nice. TV series. So the, the base game is the pilot. And uh, we've had these assorted expansions and things um, that constitute sort of uh, season one, so the heat and other things, um, riding gangs on down the line. So um, when we when we go into season two, we're going to be coming out with a sort of a big box expansion that's going to have multiple episodes in it. So muggers and jewel heist and um, you know more. We haven't decided exactly what the more will be, but that's coming up. So. Keep an eye out for that. And believe me, that is literally just the tip of the iceberg because we're going to come out with a dice version called Let's Roll. We're going to come out with a version for, you know, like younger players and things called Cadets. So, you know, like I have a seven-year-old son and I'd, I'd love to be able to play Police Precinct with him, but it's, you know, he doesn't have that attention span for this, this kind of game. But, um, you know, I'd love to come out with a game. That would be great for, you know, dads to play with their son and um, and more family-oriented maybe as well. Um, the, the game, the, by the way, the game really is very family-oriented. And uh, I think I my son could definitely play Police Precinct. Um, and I know of, he's not the only one of his age, he's, he's seven, that can play. What you need is someone, just someone from the family who understands the rules and can kind of you know, sort of host the game and explain the rules, which is not hard to do. Demo the first turn, which is not hard to do. And then kind of coach people through their first turn, that kind of thing. And uh, and then it's it's really easy to play. I mean, the mechanics of it are pretty simple. And it really comes down to just, um, you know, managing the, the, uh, all the, all the bad things that are happening on the board and trying to come out on the winning side of it. 
Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Very cool. The, the game sounds great. Uh, I'm really looking forward to see how the Kickstarter finishes. It's already succeeded very well, which is awesome. Yeah, we're yeah. we're super happy. I think it's going to end up higher than any Kickstarter we've ever done before. Excellent. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. So, so do you play solo games? I mean, you must. You've already mentioned you got small kids. Yeah, you know, um, I do, and I'd say my favorite game to play solo is Axis and Allies. Okay. It's a game that I just love, and um, I used to play a lot against other players, but then this, the, and I played it online, by the way, because with having kids, it's hard to find the time, you know, to say to your wife, hey, I'm going to leave the house for an entire day. I'll leave you alone with the kids <laughs> and just <laughs> abandon her um, and play. Because yeah, a really well-balanced game of Axis and Allies could easily take five hours and plus you got yes. set up and, and everything else and drive time. So, I mean, really, it's just an entire day. Um, but I, I love to play online. I used to play at Game Table Online and um, they, they sort of shut shut down for some period of time and they're supposedly they're going to come back that they've got um i believe larry harris is going to do another game specifically for them it's going to be awesome i'm sure um but i really miss that site and i miss that doing that um so i can't remember where i found this thing but uh sort of ended up with a a, a computer version of access and allies that has artificial intelligence that you can tweak so um, oh, neat. I've been able to figure out how to tweak it to where um, it's, you know, you can tweak it to the point where it's impossible to win. So, you know, I like to just play and then if I win, I'll, I'll just do a small little tweak and then maybe I'll lose the next time. So I'll just keep playing until I get this perfect balance. And uh, it's pretty fun. So I, I actually like playing the Axis. So I play sort of Germany and Japan, and then they have a, the Italy. They have Italy in there too. So I play those three forces, and then the artificial intelligence plays against me. Plays the UK, mm-hmm. uh, the US, and um, <laughs> why am I forgetting the, the Russians? <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> and is it? Do you just play like the uh, the original version, or like I know they got all the other Axis and Allies now, right? They got uh, Norman D Day or something. Oh like my that. God! Yeah, there's so many. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, that's been quite a successful franchise. Uh, I definitely have my favorite, which is 1942, but I don't overly love the the 1942 version within this latest thing. But when I was mm. playing that game table online, um, I played basically just played 1942 all the time. The the rules, especially the naval rules, are different and and they're uh, I think a lot more interesting. But um, yes, I forget what the name of the exact version is that I play. Um, but yeah, it's basically sort of um, 1942-ish, whatever it is. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, one last question. Is uh, is there anything else you care to tell us about Common Man Games? Anything coming up or just anything you want to mention? You know, I mean, I, there's so many things I could mention. I'll just single one thing out just for fun. Um, I went to the Dice Tower Con, which is my favorite con of all time, uh, pretty recently. And... Uh, did a speed dating deal where all the publishers were hopping from table to table and uh, visiting with designers that were hoping to get their games published and uh, uh, established some cool relationships with more more than one. Mm. Um, but one in particular spent basically 
after that speed dating event, I basically spent the entire con just working on this one game with the designer, and it was uh, a really fun experience to do that. And the game, we'll, we'll be publishing this game, and it's going to be awesome. And it's, I think we're going to call it um, Internal Affairs. And it's going to be about, hmm. um, basically, it's going to be, you know, this is something we want to do with Police Precinct is to not only um, come out with these different versions, like I was talking about earlier, in a sense, but um, to also just take micro parts of the experience and go deeper. So going deeper into the dirty cop part of it, would be something we'd like to do through that um, through that game. So internal affairs would be it's all about fighting the the sort of dirty cop problem within the department. Wow. Oh, okay. And when do you, do you have any sense of when you think that might be around? I imagine it, you can't obviously give it any kind of precise date whatsoever. No i I can't give an exact precise date, but I don't think it'll be that that far out um that just seems like a game that that we could bring to the sort of bring to the market um pretty quickly and um yeah so i guess i'm not really answering the question very well but no, no. um watch for that i think it's going to be something really worth watching for cool okay and that'll be through kickstarter also i take it yeah i'm sure that will be through kickstarter okay very cool. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. It's great. It's great to be here and really appreciate you having me on the show. All right. And that was our Kickstarter report of sorts. Uh, as soon as Julius is back, we'll get things back to normal. Um, I look forward to that. Okay. Next up, I guess um, you've got some things to talk about today, don't you? Yeah, um, if we want to talk about a game, uh, it just came out of playtesting. It is complete and, and heading off to the printers uh, called Invaders from Dimension X by Herman Lutman, uh, who is the designer, uh, probably most famously for the solitaire crowd, of Dawn of the Zeds from Victory Point Games. That's right, and that was just republished uh, or brief. Just funded on Kickstarter. Yeah, just funded. I, I, it hasn't been published yet, but the third edition is coming out soon of uh, of Dawn of the Zeds, which actually make it uh, a co-op game. Uh, you know, it's still a solitaire game, but co-op rules have been added as well, so you can play with your entire family uh, defending the town from the zombies. So, And I believe that's the biggest change to this edition? Uh, well, the the components have been upgraded and the rules have been clarified. Uh, my understanding, um, and and I've just heard things from from the other playtesters and from Herman, uh, is that the game has been uh, simplified a little bit. Uh, the the rules for the second edition were fairly complex, uh, you know, not 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 terribly so, especially if you've played other Victory Point games. But I think they're trying to appeal to the mass market crowd a little more. So it's been simplified. Um, some of the rough edges have been uh, sanded down. Um, and, and I don't have any specific examples of that, but just mm-hmm. uh, apparently it's a little easier to wrap your head around and sit down at the table and play with more casual gamers rather than uh, a war gaming crowd. I'm a fan of Herman and his games. I've actually, we've covered three in the show now, I think. Dawn of the Zeds, um, 
In Magnificent Style. Magnificent Style is great. Um, yep, and a Spoiled Victory. Spoiled Victory. Yeah, I, I got to uh, be the developer on that one, which was a great experience. Now, he's got another game about Dunkirk coming out. Or maybe it's out on Miracle at Dunkirk? Miracle at Dunkirk. It is based on uh, Spoiled Victory um, with a few... There were a few historical issues that were found uh, that were improved to make the game a little more historically accurate. Uh, it's it's a much larger footprint of a game. This is going to be a boxed uh, game. Okay. Uh, so it, it's still uh, a little early in the design. It's not coming out quite yet. There's still some playtesting to be done. I'm going to be working on that one, but haven't started yet. Um but looking forward to see what happens with that design because it, it it was a great game to start out with and sounds like Herman's really trying to improve it. Cool. Okay, I look forward to that. Um. All right. And so now, so Invaders from Dimension X. This is his new game. Uh, the title might give away. It's kind of set in the uh, the world of nineteen fifties. Uh, B-movie science fiction. <laughs> uh, the graphics in this game are very reminiscent of like 1950s spaceships and, and alien depictions, things like that, that you might see in you know, Attack of the 50-Foot Woman or kind of cheesy movies <laughs> like that. <laughs> cool, okay. Uh, but this game is actually based on the idea of uh, everything revolving around chaos. Um, I Everything you do, uh, everything the aliens do that you're fighting against is totally uh, chaotic. Uh, so he's, he's written a, an interesting backstory to give this some theme where the aliens come from another dimension um, and we don't understand their battle tactics, so it appears very random to us. Mm -hmm. uh, so essentially this is a chit-draw game where you, you start out on the board uh, and your units and the aliens are placed according to the scenario set up. And then every turn, you'll draw an alien activation ship uh, that will say some type of action that they need to do, and it will activate all of the odd-numbered units or all of the commanding units. Or um, you know, th there's a few different varieties for how it will activate units, but um, and they will do something that could be really detrimental to you, or could be. Um, you know, like everyone will move out of your way all of a sudden. So <laughs> <laughs> you have a you have a mix of the game being really hard, and then a few turns that are kind of easy. But those chits, once you draw them, they're they're out of the game. So you uh, you can kind of tell what to expect as the game goes on. Um, but that's the that's kind of the 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 way that works is. You know, the, the, the objectives of the game are pretty simple. You're just trying to move units across the map uh, and get them into a portal where you can go, uh, you can send them to Dimension X to attack the alien's home world. Mm -hmm. And these, these units are just kind of bouncing all over the, 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 the board uh, as you're fighting them. And um, their guns can shoot through obstacles and terrain. So, um, you know, you, you can you can kind of start planning as you go, as you eliminate their actions, uh, and they have victory objectives. Uh, there's, I think, six random ones, and there's certain things you can do that will eliminate them. So if you can get down to one or two, then you can plan, okay, I know their victory objective is one of these two things, uh, and try to prevent those. So 
while it's very chaotic, we have tried to make sure that it's playable and, um, you know, that you, you feel like you have some control over winning or losing. So uh, this game is going to be printed soon, and it's one that I'm actually really excited about. It, it's a lot of fun. So, so you said the game uses a chits when when you're playing. Do you go through the entire set of them in in each game, or or yep. some not going to show up? Uh, no, you'll go through the entire set of them. Um, there's an equal number of turns to the number of chits, so um, that's when the game ends. Is when you've drawn the last chit out of the cup. Uh, so it, it it does allow you to to prepare for things uh, as you've gone through because you can see. Okay, I've used up these actions, so I know that this is coming up. Uh, so I better hurry and get this done before it happens. Uh, so it's you're always going to see everything, and that's kind of the in the theme of the game. They mention that that we the 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 invaders their battle tactics seem very chaotic to us, but we have noticed that they always do the exact same thing every time, just in a, what seems to be a random order to us. So um, the game is a little tongue in cheek and, and humorous uh, with. Herman knows he's making a chaotic game and, and that may may appeal to some people or, or may not. But you know, we definitely try to have a little fun with it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The uh the theme reminds me well, I mean it doesn't remind me of it, but when when I read that part about they they come from a different dimension and because they're from a different dimension we can't really understand why they're doing what they're doing. It would make sense in their dimension. It reminded me of um Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The the way this alien race had created the I hope I'm not spoiling anything for anybody. <laughs> if you haven't read it by now, <laughs> yeah, too bad. You should go read it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll wait for you. Finish real quick. It's only what yeah, seven pa- books pa- now. Pause the show. Go read the books. <laughs> the um, but yeah, the, the, they created the the planet as a computer, and, and the alien race were on the planet watching us but the only part of these aliens we saw was them as mice yeah they took the bodies of mice that's right <laughs> yeah. and, and so they're super powerful and intelligent but we can't really see their that full capabilities because of that because they're just mice and they let us use them in uh in laboratory that, experiments so that right. they can they, study us <laughs> that's right they're studying us they, sometimes they run faster sometimes they do them a slower to, to Gauge how we react and learn from that. <laughs> that was great. Well, and, and, and this game's probably a, a little similar, just in humorous tone. Like the alien units that you're fighting are called uh, the Chaos. Um, you know, it's spelled a funny way, but it basically is pronounced like the Chaos. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a very punny game. And there's a lot of Easter eggs. Um, if you look in the back of the book for who, you know, the playtesters and the developer and designer of the game where you'll see different places on the map where the names are worked in and in kind of hidden ways. So and hopefully I'm not spoiling any Easter eggs, but a uh, lot of, lot of fun little things in this game. <laughs> Very cool. Do, do we know how soon it'll be out? Did you, who's publishing it? Um, it is a new game company that uh, does not want their uh, doesn't want to get talked about until they're ready to announce. So, um, okay. as soon as that is done, they're gonna the game will be on BGG and available for ordering. Um, I believe they're trying to get three games done for the company launch, um, and I think that has happened. But there's a, a small printing issue that they're resolving. So as soon as that's fixed, the game will be ready and, and available. 
Wow, so that's imminent. Okay. Yeah, it's it's very soon. The, the game is ready to be published, and honestly, I think we were expecting it to be published uh, a little bit ago. But like I say, there was a small printing issue that they've had to take care of. Oh, okay, that, that can be so frustrating when you're so close like that and and have to wait. I can only imagine. Well, and and you do all the graphic design thinking this is what the printer wants, and then the printer comes back and says. Yeah, the graphics on your counters are too close to the edge. The laser's cutting right through somebody's face or something. So. Oh. <laughs> That's frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Well, and especially when you've been designing games for a while. It's like you think you know how to do this, but then the printer comes up with some new problem. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, that that's a very cool game. I look forward to seeing that one. Definitely. Yeah, it'll be fun to actually be able to do reviews and stuff when it's done. Mm-hmm. Or when it's released. Yeah. All right. And and I guess that's it for, for this game. For I keep forgetting the name. Dimension X. Invaders from Dimension X. Yep. So I'm, I'm also playtesting right now a new game uh, based off of Vietnam Solitaire Special Edition. I don't know if you've played that or, or if people listening to the show have played it. But um, the designer of that game is working on... Uh, a, a game in Stalingrad, so based on the Battle of Stalingrad. So that's what I'm, I've got on my table right now, uh, as well as that new States of Siege game on the the Muslim Empire. So two solitaire games uh, that I'm playtesting right now that both seem very good, but but it's still a little early to, um, yeah, they're not going to be released for a little while. Okay, and um, the first one you mentioned, that is the same designer as Reconquista. Uh, what's his name Dave it's uh, Dave Kershaw Uh, but the designer of Stalingrad Solitaire is actually Steve Kling who designed the special edition rules in Vietnam Vietnam Solitaire special edition oh okay okay my mistake well there's there's two designers and actually I'm I'm listed as a designer as well because I one of the scenarios that's in the box uh, I wrote so Mm, okay, cool. All right, should we jump on oh, to the review? The, uh, oh. I'm sorry, the other game is called First Jihad. That's the, uh, First Jihad. the one about okay. the expanding Muslim Empire back, uh, um, back in like 600 AD. Yeah, I don't. I heard about that one. I don't know if you told me or ever heard it some, about it somewhere else. I'm looking forward to that. It's by the same designers that did Mound Builders, uh, so they've got States of Siege experience before, and, and this one. Probably a little bit more complex than that, but uh, there's already pictures on BGG and a little bit of description if you wanted to go look at that. Okay. Yeah, I'm behind on the States of Siege. I haven't played a new one in a while. You know, I I just bought, um, uh, what was it, the fantasy one? Uh, Not Darkest Night, is it? No. 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 Shoot, no, I've just uh, taken the train <laughs> off the rails here. It's... Uh, got the list here (laughs) (laughs) legions of darkness okay that is the one game uh, in the series that i didn't have um and somebody had it on the bgg marketplace for a very good price so i uh i finally thought okay let's just complete the collection here so wow i've got got the whole thing of them now (laughs) how many games is that that's a lot i think there are uh, 15 that are released now so wow okay that's a big series 
yeah, and I, I think there's going to be another 15, you know, <laughs> in the next few years. There's so many games being worked on. They've got science fiction games and, of course, more historical battles coming up. So I, as long, I think it's a popular series. They're just going to keep working on it. Why not? Yeah. I'm still waiting for a Lovecraftian one. There should definitely be one. Yeah, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, given that uh, the zombie game, Dawn of the Zeds, is the highest selling in that series, I think by far, uh, it'd be kind of fun to explore some more of that science fiction, fantasy, monster genre. Um, you know, it could, could make for a really cool game. It's, it's funny, every now and then I like to pull out uh, Israeli independence or um, the, the one about the, the Alamo. Blood Red Banner, okay. um, you know the two simplest games in the series gives you a little war game taste in about five or ten minutes, and <laughs> really simple rules. So even with all the other games, sometimes I still cool, want to yeah. pull out those simple ones. Yep. Uh, Hang on. Hello, Julius. Come on in. How are you doing? Hello, Albert. Just uh, dropping by for a second. I hear you guys are recording a podcast without me. You, well, you tried to take over the show, and your little coup failed. That was a very <laughs> half-hearted attempt. I don't think Chris was really working together with me so well. <laughs> my, my, my coup is succeeding very well so far, though. <laughs> Look at that. So so you're here to tell us about the um, the Gencant SoloCon. Yes. Have you heard about the Gencant SoloCon? I've I've heard about it. I really don't know what's going on. I'd never heard about Gen Cant before. Well, this is only the second year that we're doing Gen Cant. Uh, we did Gen Cant last year. Now, are you familiar with Gen Con, Albert? Yes. I, yes. I, it's probably kind of hard to be in this hobby too much and not hear about Gen Con. But Gen Con is this. It's this other convention that a bu- bunch of people are going to. I think they have a couple people going to it. <laughs> um, but for anyone who can't go to Gen Con, there's Gen Cant. It's the unconvention for those who can't Gen Con. And the whole idea of Gen Cant is basically it's an internet convention. Anyone who's not attending Gen Con has the option of participating in Gen Cant over the internet. We're going to be having events over Twitter. We're going to be having contests. And there's a cosplay contest and a badge contest. And also just standard gaming. You're welcome to meet up with some other friends. Or you can do some gaming online. I know there's a Hearthstone championship that's going on there's a star realms championship that's going on that you may be interested in albert yeah um so i know there's a star realms championship and various other online events that are going on um or if you just want to take some pictures and tweet out the pictures or post up your plays but that's for gen can't regular now the we the one player podcast and the low player count podcast are creating a special event as part of gen can't called the gen can't solo con and this is a four-day SoloCon event that anyone from the whole guild, from all of our listeners, anyone who wants to attend is welcome to attend from the comforts of their own home, local cafe, wherever it is that you want to play. And what's going to be going on is starting Thursday and going until Sunday. So that's the entire four days that Jen Cant is going to be going on. You're invited to play any games that you want. And post them up. Now then, for each of the four days, we have a special challenge going on. For Thursday, for example, it's going to be a cards challenge. So 
if you play any game that is comprised of predominantly, if not entirely, cards, so then you'll be able to go on to our forums, uh, go on to our geek list, and we'll have a post, we'll have a link to it in the show notes, and there'll be a form there that you can fill out. So if you fill out the form, and also you'll get bonus points if you tweet pictures of it or if you post up the geek list about your game but if you play any game that is primarily cards or even entirely cards you'll be able to get points and they'll go up towards prizes and i know we've had some publishers who have very generously given us some games that we want to give away to anyone who will submit towards this i know that we have a copy of bullfrogs we have a copy of um dungeon run uh, not a dungeon run of dungeon roll um what else do we have Okay, neat. But we got some get prizes. Yeah, we're going to be posting all those up. We have TMG. We have some stuff from Z-Man. Um, we have some stuff from Portal Games. So I know that we have a bunch of games that we're going to be giving away. And there's nothing you have to do to enter this other than play some games, have some fun, and fill out the form. It's really, really easy. And it's really a lot of fun. Okay, and this is for the the solo con part of it. This is for the solo con part. For the regular part, if you go to gencant.com, all the rules are available there, but essentially the easiest way. Um, most of that goes over Twitter. So for that one, you I think for that one, you do have to um, post up a... Uh, oh, no, for the raffle, you don't. For the raffle, so the way they're doing it for regular Gen Cant is they also have a form that you fill it out. But also you're going to have a photo contest. And so the photo contest does require either tweeting it or adding it to a geek list as an item or submitting it on a photo entry form. So also for GenCant, you can also participate in a very similar way. And all you have to do is fill out a form or something like that. Works the same. But that's, you know, that's for everyone else. Not everyone else will have uh, access to the special solo con. That's only for the solo community. That's true. Yeah, because there's only enough space for about 50,000 people at Gen Con. So this is for the rest of us that don't fit there. That's right. Well, no, that's for Gen Cant. Gen Cant. I'm well, hoping yes. that Gen Cant has plenty more. That's right, because Dad's got unlimited room. It's even <laughs> better than Gen Con. Definitely much better than Gen <laughs> Con. And you're not limited to how many games you can play. I know that some people have already started posting up. Uh, lists of games that they want to play. And I've seen a couple of times that people will put one th- one thing per day. You're not limited to one thing per day. You could play 60 games on Friday if you have time on Friday and none the rest of the time. And that'll count as 60 entries if you want. Okay. You can only win one. You can only win once, but that'll be 60 entries if you want to play like that. Okay, cool. Okay, so you could play as, play as much as you want. Because, yeah, a con with one game a day is a, a slow, quiet con. Well... You know, if that's what you're looking for, that's fine. Because I know that for some of us, it's just a balance of, you know, work life and, and having fun and also, you know, continue with our regular responsibilities. So if you have time for just one game, you still have a good chance of winning some good stuff because there's a lot of prizes to be given away. Any any entry you do for the Gen Cant solo con, you can still put together towards the regular Gen Cant. And I know we've got a bunch of prizes. They've got an absolute truckload of prizes that they're giving away they have a giant page full of the prizes all the publishers love doing this because you know this is a great way to connect if if you don't see people at the cons this is a great way to still connect to them because it really encourages people to get out there and connect over the internet with people you wouldn't necessarily see and you know maybe one time you will be able to see a con you'll be able to see all these people that you only see over twitter or on the guild or on bgg Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some of these prizes are neat. There's even like 
drawings and sketches you could get. Mm-hmm. How cool is yeah, that? Yeah, we, we, we only have publishers give games for the solo con, though. But, I mean, only games. <laughs> <laughs> what good's that? Darn. <laughs> Darn. Who wants games? I don't you you games. suffer so much. <laughs> <laughs> but, wait, there's more. It's not only that we're going to be having just play any game that you want. Although, really, if you have a game you want to play, it should fit into one of the four days. But we're also going to be having some mini challenges throughout the day. And I know that I'm going to be releasing some on Thursday because we're working together with Travis Hill and the low player count guys. So, But I know that we're going to be releasing some on this feed and also on the Geek List and on Twitter. And you'll, if you subscribe to one, you'll catch it. It'll be in all the places. But... Um, We'll also be having some challenges coming out. So right now, I know that we already actually started one challenge. We're working together with AJ of Van Ryder Games, where he's doing a challenge to save 1,000 hostages playing Hostage Negotiator. And the basic challenge of that is go ahead, you post up a game that you played and how many hostages you rescued. And if they rescue 1,000 hostages, someone is... Uh, a random lucky winner is going to become one of the next hostage negotiator cards. That's really cool. Yep. I, I've, I've started participating in that and helping save some people. I've saved a few myself and you're not limited I to just playing one game, play as much as you want and save more people with any of these. You're not limited to just one game. Always play as much as you want, but yeah, with the, with that one, you can play as much as you want and save as many as you can. We're going to need a lot of help to get to 1000 guys. I think, you know, I don't know how I don't know how much we'll be able to do to get to a thousand. It's quite a hefty number. Do you know where it is now? We were estimating it was about two fifty or so before you came on. Um, I don't know, but I think that he's been updating it, hasn't he? Let's take a look. He's at three hundred and eighteen. Wow. Okay. okay nice. Third of the way. We haven't even started the solo con yet. That's excellent. That's three hundred eighteen people saved. Well, three hundred eighteen meep- meeple people. Meeples, yeah, people <laughs> saved. And you got to save half saved. to win the game, so we're we're almost there. <laughs> you say we almost won because we're almost at five hundred. But I know that we're going to be having other challenges also. I know that I've been talking uh, with Travis and some of the publishers about having some for Bullfrogs and for um, Onirim and some other games. So I know that we're going to be having some other challenges that are going to be coming out. Neat. All this happened while I was on vacation, so I had no idea what was going on. We we did keep you a little on the on the loop there, Albert. I believe that you were part of the emails that we were. Uh, I I received one email that was sharing a Google Doc that had all these notes in it. And I had no idea what was going on, and it sounded great. And I was saying, "Why did Julia send this? Am I supposed to do all this on the list?" But yeah, hopefully this is hopefully this will become an annual thing. I'd love if we can do this next year also. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I look forward to seeing how it works out. And it's this weekend coming up, so listen to this show really soon. Yeah, I'm hoping that the show will drop <laughs> soon enough. Otherwise, I'm going to be uh, publishing some stuff and people won't have heard this feed yet. So, All right, so uh, I apologize, but i got to get going, guys. So, uh, Thanks for dropping my by. Pleasure. And uh, I'll have more time starting after Gen Can't starts up. Currently, I'm a little short on time. But uh, once Gen Can't gets started up, um, that's going to be more of a focus of mine, and I'm sure it'll be great. Excellent. Thanks. Thank you again for all that. And looking forward to talking again more soon. Yeah, thanks very much. See you around, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And so now let's jump into our game review for this episode. This this time we're talking about... Oh, what is that about? (laughs) This... (laughs) 
I have no idea. Why don't you talk about this it? This time we're going to talk about Frontline D-Day. This is a game by Dan Viersen Games, uh, designed by Dan Viersen, I believe. Um, I hope that's correct. Okay. That is correct. Yes. Uh, this is uh, essentially a, a, it's a two-player war game, um, very similar to Upfront. Uh, the game is entirely played with cards. There's no board. There's no map. Um, so um, you deal out, uh, I think it's nine cards in between the two players, and each of the cards has a different type of terrain on it, uh, which, again, is kind of similar to up front. I think that's where a lot of the uh, comparisons come from, which is also a card war game with, with no board where the cards actually form the terrain that you're fighting over. So there's a, a variety of mission objectives. This, uh, the game honestly comes with tons of scenarios. Um, but essentially what you're trying to do is reduce your opponent's victory points, and each card is worth a certain amount of victory points uh, by half. Uh, so you've got certain cards with different units or different units on it, different types of soldiers, and you're forming small squads uh, that can advance uh, across this bridge of cards that you've made that represent the terrain. And your goal is to uh, eliminate or reduce the victory points on those cards uh, to half of their starting value to win. Um, so this is this is a straight up war game. Uh, this has a twenty page rule book. And Albert, you 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 read through this. It's a little it's a little hard for uh, especially if you're new to war games. Um, yeah, I agree. It was a little hard to read it. Each section was clear, but it was organized a little bit strange. So I especially found it hard when I went back later to to look up something. Yeah, I found that as well. Um, if you if you want to attack an enemy unit, for example, you have the option of doing aimed fire or rapid fire. You know, essentially taking a very careful shot or um, rapid fire. I think you could consider it just be like you know firing your machine gun wildly and hoping that you hit something. Um, and the rules for that, you have to jump from the attack section back to the beginning of the book. Uh, like you say, it's organized a little strange. Uh, it, sometimes things aren't where you would expect them to be. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. For that one, you jumped up to the, to the section where it described the card. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. It, it was in like the very beginning of the book where it's describing the components, um, yeah, that, it's, it's you don't usually see a lot of rules in the component section, so <laughs> I, I I don't think it's necessarily a bad way to do it. I you know I, I I as I read it, I said this this you know a lot of it makes sense and I appreciate it the way it is, but it's not what I'm used to at all. I, I think it's very different from what other people do, and and that makes it a little confusing. Yeah. But I don't want to say it's a bad rule book or that the rules are are hard no. to learn. Um, it's just it it takes a little bit of effort to get into the game. Um. So let's talk about gameplay for a second. Um, basically, the game is an action and a reaction mechanic. So if you do something, your opponent can do it at a reduced value immediately after you can. So if you attack, then your opponent can counterattack at half their current attack value. And if you move, your opponent can can, can move or, or prepare... Um, so it, it, everything you do, you have to consider that your opponent's going to be able to do it back to you. Um, so there's, there's a, a lot of that to balance out. 
so of course we're talking about the the two player game here. Um, what makes this game unique, I think, or, or of interest to us is that it does come with a solitaire deck. Um, the game, though, from from my perspective, and Albert, you can tell me if you if you think differently, but I feel this is a maybe a difficult game to learn solitaire. I, I felt that the solitaire deck is best used after you've played the two-player game a few times and have kind of mastered the game mechanics and learned the rules a little bit. Because just pulling out the solitaire deck for your first game, I think, could be a little bit challenging. Yeah, and that's what I did, and it was challenging. I think the first game I played, I didn't even finish it. I just played a couple rounds just to get the feel. And and what I was trying to really get the feel for was how, how my side went. I don't think I even... Did I, I think I tried to do the AI card. I sort of fumbled through it. I didn't even worry about it very much. And then I just took another turn, just again to get that rhythm of how a player's turn goes. So, yeah, I agree. It, it's a little hard to learn solo from the get-go. So, so let's talk about the AI cards. Um, it's a small deck of cards that's included with the game. I forget how many, maybe 20 or so. I think it's 12. Oh, I think it, it's just maybe 12. Maybe even less, yeah. 12. So each card has several sections on it. This is a really text-dense card. There's a, an action at the top. It's kind of uh, what the what what your opponent is going to be doing. So basically when you set it up for solitaire play, you set it up like there's an opponent. Um, you, you set up all of the cards forming the terrain. You form the squads for the opponent. Um, and then their actions are determined by these cards. So you'll draw a card. And it has an action that'll say advance uh, the squad that's closest to the to yours, or um, you can y- use the vehicle and the, and they get a bonus, for example. So there's a a general action, and then there's a few things they can do to make themselves, um, you know, rallied, uh, remove pinned markers or, or flanking markers. Um, and then there's an indicator that says which which group is going to do the action. If it's the largest uh, section of, of troops or the, the one that's farthest away or the one that's the most damaged. Um, and then there's a section on, uh, depending on how far away they are from you, how many cards are in between your troops and their troops. Uh, they will either attack or advance depending on that range of cards. So the, the card is actually split into two columns for what they're going to do based on how far away they are from you. Um, and then there's some bonus text at the end that has, um, for example, uh, if the section advances into open ground or a stream, then advance it a second time. So there's always some little bonus that the AI gets on these cards. That's right. And, and those bonuses a lot of times are are triggered by having equipment counters, which you haven't really talked about. Mm-hmm. But in, in the normal game, the, the whether it's you against the AI or two people playing, the humans will draw equipment counters that they could assign to their units. And, and different different units get different numbers of, of equipment counters. It just depends on who he is and... And it really has a lot to do with how many victory points that card is worth. So, and the, the equipment counters could do different things. And you pick which ones you get. Some could let you heal. Some let you draw extra card from the deck. Um, a few other stuff I don't remember. The AI instead of let, wearing, having you worry about 
how to use the counters or which counters to pick. It just says spend one of your counters to to do this bonus action that I'm telling you what it is. Yeah, exactly. So there's no yeah. for the opponent, the decision making is all totally done on the card. Yeah, and I like that. Once I figured out that's what was going on, I really mm-hmm. like that. I think it works well, but uh but sometimes I I think it with a random chance like this, sometimes it might work out to be something that's very beneficial for the opponent AI, and sometimes a little bit less so. It, uh, it you know, we 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 spent some time talking about the chaos units from Invaders from Dimension X, where sometimes they'll do something uh, that totally makes sense and really damages you, and then other times they do something that, um, you know all the units go to sleep and you're able to walk right past them. Uh, this this feels, you know, not, not quite that dramatic. The enemy soldiers never take a nap in the middle of the game, but, uh, but sometimes the actions can, can really uh, hurt you. And other times it's like, yeah, this, you know, this doesn't have anything to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. For example, there's a cases where I was playing and, um, the enemy were on a hill. And we haven't talked about the train yeah, too yeah. much, but there's nine train cards, and they're all different. And each type of train card will give a different bonus. The hill, which I mentioned, for example, uh, makes your range one shorter. So if you're on top of a hill, you can hit people a little bit farther than, than otherwise. Um, and for example, the enemy might be on a hill and hitting me really well and suddenly move from the hill to, to the next train card in front of him because the, the AI card said to do this. And now they've gone from that really good position to to an open field that gives them absolutely no benefit. And that's uh, no defensive capabilities either, so you can shoot at yeah. them a little easier. Yeah. So, so that that's one of those cases where it's just it, it makes no sense. No, no human player would have really done that. Yeah. Without prepping first, uh, which you know is kind of nice if you're wanting to shoot your enemy easier. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I I did appreciate it that it happened as I was playing. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I'll take that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually I found the AI really hard to to defeat. I I I think I might be still be doing something wrong cuz I haven't figured out all the rules quite right, but I found it very challenging and he hits more often and harder than a human does. And I, of course, with the, the the core mechanic of this game being the attack and counterattack, when that AI hits and gets, um, you know, oftentimes will have some type of bonus for the attack given by the card, um, then you can attack, but only at half value. So it feels like the AI hits first and hits hard, and it's it's sometimes hard for you to to re, you know to attack back because you're you're when you're counterattacking it's at the half value um so they'll do a lot of damage to you and then you can't do as much to them uh when you're attacking back at that lower strength yep one one big aspect of the game we haven't talked about yet either is the action cards yes absolutely the the your play actions are actually controlled by action cards you have a hand Mm -hmm. of cards it's it's similar to um uh, combat commander uh where where yes, you yeah. you want to move your units you want to uh resupply your ammo you want to attack your enemy you have to have a card in your hand um but what what ha- always drove me nuts in combat commander is there's there's a lot of cards that are like you know that the radio is broken or command and confusion or something that don't do anything they just clutter up your hand or mm-hmm. if you want to attack you have a bunch of move cards and 
you know, you can have an enemy standing right in front of you shooting you in the face and you can't do anything <laughs> if you don't have that attack card. And I really appreciate in this game, uh, if you don't have an attack card, uh, there's a default attack value or a default move value. Like the, the default move value allows you to move one terrain card or the attack value has, you know, just this, this basic, uh, attack that doesn't have any bonuses, but you can discard any card from your hand and use it for that default value. So that was something I preferred immensely over, uh, combat commander where a lot of times I feel frustrated. Like I want to shoot you, but I can't. <laughs> That's right. And, and here, you know, the cards that are attack cards specifically mm-hmm. give you bonuses. So, so you're thinking, you know, I could, I could keep waiting and hope to draw an attack card with a bonus, or I could just give up a move card that I'm not going right. to use anyway. And attack, yeah, but so not your, as well. your opponent, when you're playing the solitaire version, doesn't have those action cards. You, you'll have them, you'll use them. But your opponent's actions are totally dictated off that solitaire card deck. It, it basically says they're attacking, they're moving, uh, and that's what they do that turn. And the, another thing I like about this game, the combat is it's pretty simple. You, you total up your attack number, you subtract any defense if there's any, including counterfire, if, if counterfire is done. And then whatever number is left over is how much damage you can do. And the way you resolve that is by by doing a chip pull, and you, you take yep, chips out of a bowl, yep. and it tells you how much that damage. Yeah, chip I was just going to talk about that. It, that's that that's uh-huh. also based on uh, the terrain that you're in. So you're if you're in a terrain that has, uh, you know, medium defensive capabilities uh, like the hill, uh, it will do less damage. But if you're in the clear, you draw the chit, and it's all color coded to match the cards, so it's easy to tell. It has three numbers on it for like light defensive, medium defensive, and high defensive. Um, when you draw that chit, it'll tell you how much damage you take. Um, and, it's, and essentially the way that works is if you hit, hit a squad, hit your enemy squad with uh, 20 firepower, let's say, you draw these chits that have, you know, you've done five hit points, and then you draw the next one and three hit points, and you just apply them to the cards, um, subtracting from the value. So you start out with 20 and then you draw one for five and you're down to 15 and you keep drawing chits, uh, doing the damage until you're, you're out of hit points or until you can't afford the chit you drew. So if you have two hit points left and you draw uh, a, a chit that has four points of damage, it just goes back in the cup and the damage is done for that time. Right. So, so your firepower, so, so the chit, the number on it is the cost of that chit. And the the light terrain is a low cost. the The heavy cover is a heavier cost, so you could basically afford less when the person's yep. in heavy cover. I th- and, I said that backwards, didn't be- I? Yeah, the mm-hmm. uh, the the clear terrain is actually the the cheaper of them, not the uh, the heavier of them. Okay, I missed <laughs> that. And, and then the other thing on that counter is what type of damage it does. So so you draw the counter, you know the cost for it. And then there's, I think, three or four types of damage. You could pin the enemy, you could uh, attack his morale, you could wound him directly, or you yep. could outright kill him. Yep, there's a, and you, you just keep placing that on the units of the squads, and uh, and there, like you say, there's several different, uh, several different results from those. Um, so so yeah, th- there's a few other things in this game. I don't know if we need to go into detail any other aspects. Is there anything we forgot you wanted to cover in? About the uh, mechanics uh, I, or anything like that? 
one the comment I, I have on this game is um it's it's a very cool idea and once you get good at it I think it can go a little bit faster. Um that you know action counteraction that back and forth between the players um sh- it feels like it should go faster than it does but there is a lot of you know th- there's some math in this game like you talked about of you know pulling out those chits and okay okay subtract four from here can draw another one and subtract three um you know not hard math necessarily but kind of slows down the gameplay and there are counters um kind of all over the place this is you know you, your 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 cards your units get counters on them the you, you get different types of weapons that have their own counters it's uh it's it's a little uh fiddly for for how fast the game feels like it should go i think yeah that's a good point it, it is a bit fiddly and it can take up a lot of space too um i i found that t- to play the game and I want to put everything a little more spread out so I have more space and so I could have all the counters organized better because of that fiddliness. And, and so it ended up taking a, a fair amount of table space, especially because the, the terrain card that you let out, the, the map of cards you've made, is, is nine cards deep going fr- away from and then you. And with your opponent set up on the opposite end of it too. Yeah, that's right. And when in, in the rule book, they said the way they, they show it that they didn't really explain it is they have the terrain cards along the side and you put all your units in front. And as your unit moves from one terrain card to the next, you move that card over from where it is in that line over to your unit. And so I think that's a little bit hard to follow and visualize as you're playing of which unit is where. So what I ended up doing is I just left the cards where they are and I move, I move my units up and down the line as, uh, as they and move. And that's what I've done as well. I, I, I find that a little easier to visualize. Like, okay, they're, here's where they are. You know, here's where they are on the actual track. <laughs> yep. One other thing we haven't mentioned and I think might be a little relevant is this game brings three factions. Um, you could be Americans, British, or German soldiers. And as a matter of fact... If you're playing against an opponent, one player is the the allied and the other player is a German. When you're playing the AI, you can pick any of the three. Yeah. You're not restricted to be just German or, or just allied or whatever. And that, I really appreciate that. Yeah, and doesn't the rule book say something about uh, historically this, you know, Americans and UK did not oppose each other, but... I, I remember something about that in the rule book of if you really want to fight the British as the solitary, you know, that Americans versus British uh, on D-Day for some reason you can't. <laughs> <laughs> I see there's nothing to stop you from doing that. You know, it almost seems like this game should have an expansion with more armies. There's, you know, wouldn't be surprised there's if a, a sequel to the game. Um, but it's based in the Pacific Theater. It's not really in a. It's not an expansion. It's just a, a, a separate game using the same mechanics. But it has been on the DVG pre-order for for years now, and I, I don't I don't know how much movements oh. it's had. Um, okay, I didn't know about that one. It's uh, it's been sitting for a while. Yeah, now, this game is older game. I think it's from two thousand nine or so. That might be. I'm not sure if it's actually still available. It's two thousand. It's from two thousand ten. Yeah. You know, I didn't think to check that. We may be talking about a game you well, can't there, even get here. There's several copies on um, the marketplace on Board Game Geek for 
reasonable prices, so I assume that it's still still available, because otherwise you'd think the prices would have gone up a little bit. I don't know if new copies are available, but there's there's certainly lots of uh, copies available in the marketplace for $25, $35 on BoardGameGeek. Uh, so yeah, what else is there about this game? I, I think overall, um, I, I feel like I've talked a little bit negatively about it, but overall I think this is... I have fun playing this game. This is it. I feel like there's a little bit of a barrier to entry, just with the rule book being a little, little hard, especially for non-war gamers. But this is fun. Like it, it feels a little bit. Uh, maybe another way it reminds me of Combat Commander is it feels more like a war movie rather than like an actual war simulation. It's like a kind of a World War II adventure story. <laughs> I agree. I think that's a great comparison. I think a big reason for that is because you're, you're, each card is an actual unit. And, and so you really get into these people's stories and the way they're they're fighting and when they're moving back and forth and all that. And every card actually has a person's yeah, name a, on a it. A lot of war games, you're dealing with um, you know, a, a squad of men or, or whole armies or battalions or whatever where you've got you know each counter represents 500 people. Um, and this, your cards have an individual on them. Um, it, it, it reminds me a little of ambush in that way, not, not in mechanics at all, but that sense of, you know, each one of these people, you know, is somebody like you, you, I think you feel a little bit more connected when you've got a card that has a face and a name, you can kind of make up a little story for them. Like I found that. You know, if you want to call it an RPG element, I, that's kind of how I felt with this, where it you got emotionally involved with these people, and when they're getting wounded, you know, in the, in your imagination, it 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 uh, you know, it can be a little more emotionally affecting than a lot of other war games, where it's like, oh, I, my army got hit, I will flip it over so it's on its reduced side, and that's you know, it doesn't have the same emotional punch to me. Yeah, it's. It's Army Unit C. Oh, well. There you'll see. <laughs> I feel like DVG in general, um, I haven't played the leader series from them, but the Field Commanders, or what is it? Yeah, Field Commander series, mm-hmm. the Frontline series, um, they have a strong RPG element. They're not, um, you know, these, these aren't RPG games by any stretch, but uh, Field Commander Alexander to me kind of felt like, um, uh, uh, the same thing where you're kind of making up a story as you go along, because you know, and you're moving, you know, you're moving across maps of ancient Greece and the Mediterranean, but it almost feels like you're going through an RPG dungeon because the armies aren't moving around the board or anything; they're just waiting for you <laughs> to come in and attack them. <laughs> That's right. uh, which so, some people dislike, but I thought it worked really well for that game. Yep, I agree. I, I like that one a lot. The, the the rules work so well with them, and I don't know, for some reason they just really stoke my imagination when I'm playing them. And I felt the same way about Frontline D-Day, where you, you, you're kind of assigning these people stories in your mind, or at least I was. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. I agree with you 100%. So there's, there's, there's definitely some, you know, it's a little fiddly, a little hard to get into. And the solitaire mode, I think, benefits greatly from already knowing how to play the two-player game. But it's worth it to me. Like, those, it's, it still is an awesome game. And 
it's just fun. So, and, and plays pretty quickly once you, uh, you know, I think you can churn out a game and I don't know, about an hour, maybe 90 minutes. Uh, but you know, yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah. I, I will say I didn't play this game as much as I would like to have before talking about it. Honestly, I, I do have to admit that I, I think I got three games in and I could, I could see that there's still a lot for me to learn about the game. And I can see that there's a lot of strategy in there about when you stand on terrain and, and how you cycle through your deck and when you hang on to a card and when you discard it for something I, else. I, I did the same. I played a kind of a refresher game this weekend. Uh, just, But the game has sat on my shelf for, for a while, so I'm glad you wanted to talk about it because I, I haven't pulled it off the shelf in a while and I was really glad to start getting back into it. I think I'm going to try to play it some more. <laughs> Needs, yeah. The, the comments I've read on BGG are generally that yeah, it takes about ten games or so to really figure out the solo game, and, and after about ten games, people keep saying, "Oh, now I really am appreciating." I've heard a good uh, comparison to Upfront. Uh, somebody said that this game is ninety percent of the fun of Upfront for about ten percent of the rules. So <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know if you've seen Upfront. Uh, I have never it, seen it or it, played it or anything. And I, I've heard of it. You know, I think it's it's not as bad as people say. It's got a programmed rule book that you can kind of work your way through. Like you you play the first scenario and it teaches you these rules, and then the second scenario adds a couple rules to it. Mm. Uh, but if you just open up the rule book and decide I'm going to learn how to play this, I I forget how long it is, but the the print is small. It's it's just it's a huge rule book. But you know, it this game is a lot easier to get back up get into and has some of that similar okay. upfront feel. Okay. Upfront's a 30 year old game too. So, so the rules are from that. Yeah. Era. It, it's definitely <laughs> in that legalese style of, you know, rule 12.1.3.a. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and there's no, there's no, I love those, but I can't figure I, them out anymore. I don't anymore. believe there's a solitaire, like there's nothing in the box, but I don't even know of anyone making a solitaire module for the game. So, uh, that's another advantage that Frontline D-Day has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, all right. So I, I think that's I think that's enough that we've said yeah. about the game at this point. It's a good game. It's it's a lot of fun. And, and you know, it's a game where you could play and and build a story up as you're going through it. Oh, there's a couple of things. The the solitaire rules have you specifically draw randomly draw armies for your enemy. And then you build yeah. your army after that, based on what yeah, your enemy has. That's right, and you can't make your army stronger than theirs. There, there's there's several rules um, for for how your army can be set up. I think there were some equipment rules that you can't uh, best what your army or your opponent army has. So. Yeah, you can't have more tanks than your enemy, for example, which makes sense because tanks can only be hit by anti tank weapons, and if your opponent doesn't have any tanks, it's very unlikely he's going to be able to destroy your tanks. It just makes it yeah, incredibly yeah, unfair. Absolutely. <laughs> now, now, do you know if the the campaign rules can be used for solitaire play as it as it is? Because I think that that defines armies for each side is my understanding. So I think you could potentially just play you know, that I, out that way. Honestly, I'm not familiar with the campaign rules. I'm I'm definitely more of a play it for an hour and put it awake <laughs> kind of guy. I played the campaign yeah. for Field Commander Alexander once, where I had it set up over multiple days. Um, oh and, wow! You know, okay. Walked through each each scenario. Um, 
but Frontline D-Day, I haven't, uh, I've never really looked at the campaign rules, so I, I don't know about the solitaire. That the rules kind of, I think you could play it with the individual scenarios, but I don't know how it would work with like playing it multiple times and, mm. you know, keeping your units into the next one. Like, I, maybe it's possible, but I don't know. So, so even if you can't use the campaign, you could at least use the scenarios, probably, which would just define the terrain that you have and which units each side has. Yeah, I think so. Although the solitaire rules are kind of written like you you draw things randomly, so that, and that's how I've played it. I've, I haven't yeah. really tried it with all the different scenarios. Yeah. Same here, same here, and, and there's no reason why you couldn't pick uh, specific cards for your enemy and then build your army based on that. To match yeah, I mean, you, you know what your enemy has. It's not like it's a secret that's revealed later in the game, so you could set up yeah. the scenario and then build your yours uh, based on that. Yeah, I, I think that, that rule about drawing randomly for the enemy is just to give more variety to the game, so that you don't always play the same and, thing and over and over. The solitaire rules in this are, are short. Um, this, the solitaire rules are a small part of... You know, you know, I think the, the game rules themselves are... What, 20, 20 pages or so, um, and and the mm-hmm. and then, yeah, and then, then the, the second half of the rule book is all scenarios, um, but that solitaire section is a, about a, a page or so. It's not, yeah, about two and a half pages, so a little, little longer. But okay. it's definitely, like I say, the two-player game is the 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 heart of this game. The solitaire game is an add-on. It's not like I don't think it was designed with solitaire play in mind. It works really well, but you, you've got to know how to play the game before you can do the solitaire module. Well, awesome! So that is uh, up front. Frontline D Day. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> there you go. So that is would Frontline D Day. Had a solitaire module. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and or be available. Yeah, it would come off my shelf a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> all right um hope you enjoyed this episode next one will be back to normal and chris you are going to be coming back on the show occasionally doing um salt print and play reports of yeah some kind. i think i'll 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 be recording uh short reviews of print and play solitaire games uh, and submitting them to you guys so um i don't think i'll be co-hosting as much when you and, and julius are back on full-time but um Hopefully, be able to provide you know a little five-minute review of a print-and-play game uh, designed for solitaire play, um, just to get a little more coverage for those kind of games that I think can get overlooked sometimes. I mean, there's there's so many from the contest that I think people play the winner, it becomes a little famous. You know, everyone knows uh, you know the games that won, uh, but there's a lot of games that. I think the contest ends and they get forgotten. So I'd, I'd love to go back and look at some of those and, and, you know, even games that weren't associated with the contest at all. Um, there's, there's so many printed play solitaire games. I was looking at a geek list, uh, designed by FNH one on BGG who does the print and play podcast or, or used to, I don't think he's active with mm-hmm. it any, anymore, but there's something mm-hmm. like 350, print and play games designed specifically for solitaire play on that. Uh, so there, wow. there's a lot uh, to talk about. So I'm um, kind of looking forward to that and hoping to start that up really soon on your podcast. 
Very cool. Yeah, I, I look forward to it because there definitely is a need for that. The, the, I, I miss FNH's uh, old podcast, the Print and Play podcast. He did a great job with it. Um, and, <laughs> you know, as a, as a quick tangent, I, I do the Print and Play news blog on BoardGameGeek, and I get questions from people all the time, like, how can I promote my game? How can I get people to try out my game? Uh, and I think this is a small thing I can do to try to help a little bit with getting the games talked about with a larger audience because you add a game to the BGG database and hope that someone notices it. Um, it, it, it can be hard. There's, you know, as you know, there's a lot of games competing for attention. So uh, hopefully this can help some, some designers get their, their games noticed and, and played by more people. Okay. Well, I, I look forward to it. So keep an eye out for it listeners or, or an ear out for it. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Albert. I had a great time co-hosting the show and look forward to, to listening in the future when the, the two regular and best hosts are back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for, for coming on and helping right. me out. I, I think it added a lot to the show. Ha- having uh, two people talk about this game, for example, just made it so much oh, I'm, better. I'm always happy to be here. Thank you awesome. for having me again. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at donpancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.